This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. chapter 14. Actually, we're going to be just everywhere. And uh, we're going to take a, a scripture and depart thereof. Uh, so make sure that you just have your, your Bibles ready to, to go. And uh, today is the fourth message in this series that was not supposed to be a series. We're going to look at another myth that our American version of, of Christianity has, has grabbed onto. And, and here's the myth that we're going to be talking about for the next 30 minutes or so. Myth that all roads lead to heaven. In other words, it doesn't matter what religion you subscribe to. As long as you've got a good heart, as long as you're truly sincere in your quest for God, 
then it's going to be okay. You're going to go to heaven. And this is not just an attitude in America, but it's prevalent in other countries as well. I heard almost those exact same words when I went to the country of Turkey three years ago in the area where Noah parked his boat after the flood there on Mount Ararat. We were showing the Jesus film on my iPad to the Kurdish Muslims. Uh, they're semi-nomadic people. And, and during the summer months, they live at the base of Mount Ararat where the grass is plentiful. But, but we were trekking from Kurdish camp to Kurdish camp. And, and we would go inside their tents. And, and they're very hospitable people. And they would always service uh, massive amounts of hot herbal sweet tea. They kept pouring in, in, in your glass. It, it, was, it was endless. And, and we were presenting Christ. And, of course, this was illegal because you're not supposed to proselytize there in the country of Turkey. But, but I remember one, one Kurdish lady said through our translator, she said, We're Muslims, you're Christians. But that's okay. Because the God that we all serve is one and the same. In, in other words, all roads lead to heaven. And of course, I've mentioned this several times, but we, we, we find this myth prevalent in our own town. And I say this in tongue-in-cheek, tongue uh, and I don't want to be disrespectful to those who have lost loved ones, but it seems that everyone from Cedar County goes to heaven. Now, it wouldn't be that way for Vernon County, uh, Tim Wilson. Uh, those of you from Nevada, you don't quite measure up, but, uh, but, but, but I mean, that, that's what you, sorry about that. The devil made me say that, but, um, I mean, that's what you hear though here, here in America at everyone's death, you hear, you know, so-and-so is no longer suffering. They're in a better place. They're now in heaven looking down on us. And, and frankly, I don't want them looking down on me. Some of those people. And, and, and I certainly hope they're in heaven. Again, I don't want to be catty here to those who have lost loved ones, but not all people go to heaven. The Bible says that broad is the way to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Anyway, this myth that all roads lead to heaven gives way to some very interesting belief systems. And I read a funny story the other day. A man was talking with a lady and they were discussing their different beliefs about God and the afterlife and all of that. And, and the lady happened to believe in reincarnation, which, of course, is the belief that, once you, belief that once you die, your soul will attach itself to another form of life. And if you've been a good boy or a good girl and you'll be reborn as something better, a higher form of life. But if you've been a bad boy or a bad girl, then you will be reborn in a lower form of life. But anyway... This lady loved the country of France, and she also loved nature and especially loved trees. And so here was her conclusion. Since she loved France and she loved trees, she believed that in her former life she had been a tree in France. And, and this was supposedly a true story. And she and this guy, they, they went round and round and round arguing. And the guy kept saying, lady, I'll have you know I was not reincarnated. And, and she said, you were too. And so he finally blurted out said, okay, let me get this straight. You, you believe that in a former life you were a tree in France? And she said, yes. And so he said, well, I just figured out what I was in my former life. He said, if you were a tree in France, then I guess I must have been a dog that watered that tree. <laughs> she didn't appreciate that statement very much, as you can only understand. 
Now, as we get into our study, I, I, I think that it's important to note that belief in God is fairly universal around the world. You have a few atheists that say there is no God and you have some religions that, that put God as this nebulous, you know, whatever you want it to be, being. Um, but most people believe in some type of God. It's not controversial to believe in God. In fact, watch any great sporting event and at the end of the game, the winners many times will give credit to God or, or watch the Grammys and, and someone is invariably going to say, oh, I give God the honor and glory. Or go to an AA meeting and they will reference God or a higher power. Those things do not bring about any controversy. So, so where does the controversy begin? Well, the controversy begins when, when you bring up the name of Jesus. You can talk about God. You can talk about a higher power. You can talk about the man upstairs. You can talk about the big guy in the sky. And everybody's fine. There's no problem. But the moment you bring up the name of Jesus... Or the moment you pray in the name of Jesus, that's when people begin to get nervous. And, and, and really, kind of as an aside, I, I don't want to pray if I can't pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the difference maker. You know, when I'm asked to pray at public events, and, and it's interesting, you know, only here in Cedar County probably, maybe Vernon County too, but... Um, you know, some of the places that I've been asked to give the invocation at, you know, tractor pulls. Um, and then frequently, nearly every month at uh, at Chamber of Commerce meetings that I attend, uh, you know, other public gatherings, uh, when I'm asked to give the invocation, I always pray in the name of Jesus. Again, the name of Jesus is the difference maker. But, but anyway, why is it that everybody gets so rattled, so upset at the name of Jesus? Well, it's the exclusive claim of Jesus that gets everybody rattled. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And listen to this. No one can come to the Father except through me. And the same thing is basically reiterated in, in, in that verse on the Sermon on the Mount that, that I referenced earlier in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And his gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. But the gateway to life is small. The road is narrow. And only a few ever find it. So right there, that the, the exclusivity is what causes people to get nervous. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the only way. Now, we're, we're going to approach this study in a bit of a, an unorthodox way. First of all, I want to begin by giving you a brief overview of a few of the world's major religions. And then we'll look at some practical applications. First of all, let's look at the religion of Buddhism. I've had the privilege of being in different Buddhist countries. Um, I, I really love Buddhist people. I, I, I love to study their culture. They say that there are approximately 376 million Buddhists. The founder of Buddhism was originally a Hindu. 
But he became disenchanted with Hinduism, so he secluded himself under a fig tree for 40 days and 40 nights and, and meditated on the nature of life. And, and while he meditated, he claimed that he became enlightened. And, of course, that's where the name Buddha came from because Buddha means the enlightened one. Now, Buddhism doesn't have a final type of existence. Buddhism believes in the countless rebirth through reincarnation. We're reborn, we die, then attach ourselves to another being and are reborn and, and then die. And, and, and the goal of that is to end that cycle of rebirth by being reincarnated into a high form of life, whatever that is. Well, Buddha died at the age of 80 in the year 483 B.C., his death was triggered by an adverse reaction to a dish of wild mushrooms. So beware, you morel hunters. But they say that Buddha died peacefully. And there have been no reports of Buddha being seen since then, so we assume that Buddha is still dead. Let's talk about Hinduism. Hinduism has 900 million followers. They believe that there are 40 million gods. Hinduism doesn't have a founder. The religion evolved in India over about an 800-year period of time. The ultimate aim of every Hindu is to be reabsorbed into the great cosmic unconsciousness where, where you lose all awareness and simply exist as a portion of the universe. And, and again, this happens through reincarnation. And if you do well, you can finally experience nirvana. Even though estimates are that it will take about 600,000 lifetimes or 600,000 reincarnations to achieve this state. With acceleration possible if you live each life well and demotion probable because none of us gets it right. And that's why cows and rats are considered sacred by Hindus. And if you've been to a Hindu country, you will, uh, you will see where they will sometimes put priority over, you know, to, to, the, to the cows. They will... Wander around down, uh, you know, the streets there and in, in Calcutta, Delhi, you've got cows that are just protected and, and uh, because they believe that these creatures are actually the spirits of their ancestors who were demoted. Harming them or eating them could cause you bad karma, which would cause you to be reincarnated as a lower form in your next life. Now, various branches of, of the New Age movement that we, we've kind of formed here in, in this part of the world, they have their origins in this concept of reincarnation. Because, but, but because Westerners tend to think in upwardly mobile terms, the New Age movement has incorporated a philosophy known as cosmic optimism. And so they believe that we always move upward into a higher form of life. They don't believe that you can ever be demoted. That's kind of the New Age version of Hinduism. What about Islam? Well, estimates in 2014 are that Islam had over 2 billion followers. Islam's founder was a man named Muhammad, who in 610 AD rebelled against the polytheistic, or in other words, the multiple, multiple God teachings, and supposedly received a revelation that there was only one God, and, and Muhammad believed that that one God was the moon God, a God named Allah. Muhammad taught his tribesmen that they must be ruthlessly submissive to Allah. Muslim means submitted one. Islam means submission. Muhammad taught his tribesmen that they must be ruthlessly submissive at all times regardless of the circumstance. Muhammad taught his followers that the true and only means to God was through following the five pillars of Islam. And at the end of your life, 
They believe God will evaluate your life to see if there was more good than bad in your life. You need at least 51% good to make it. Paradise for a Muslim male is a bit different than the Christian heaven because Muhammad grew up in a desert climate. For him, the perfect place was full of lush gardens with lots of good food and beautiful and tantalizing women. In fact, here's a description of paradise from the Quran. In the book Surah, Division 55, here's what it says. There are bashful virgins whom no man will have touched before, virgins as fair as coral and rubies. So do you kind of get the picture here? It's paradise for men. For women, well, they're not mentioned except for the beautiful, bashful, and tantalizing ones. Muhammad died when one of his Jewish slave women prepared a dinner for him and put poison in the lamb. He became sickly and finally died three years later. There's been, there have been no reports of seeing Muhammad recently, so we assume he is also still dead. How about Christianity? Worldwide, there are way over 2 billion followers. It's the largest religious group. The founder was Jesus Christ. This founder made a claim that no other major religious figure has ever made before or since. He claimed to be God in the flesh. And he did some amazing things to substantiate that claim. He came to earth as a baby that had real flesh. He lived a real life, died a real death at the age of 33. His death was confirmed by a host of Jews and Roman soldiers, and his body was then buried for three days. They put a Roman seal on the tomb, brought in the guards to secure the premises so his body would not be stolen. Well, on the third day, the stone miraculously rolled away, and this Jesus came back to life. Now... Now, this sounds like a fairy tale until we find out that over 500 people saw him alive after this resurrection. And so with the other religions, their founder died, was never seen again. But here in Christianity, the founder died, but was seen alive many times afterwards by many people. Now, as we look at all of the religions, let, let me make some observations. Number one, all religions have some good values and ethics. That there are some good values about every religion. Number two, all religions have followers who are good and sincere. Number three, all religions also have those followers who are not good and sincere. Even Christianity. But then let me point out some differences. All religions base whether or not someone makes it to their nirvana or their paradise on how good of a person they have been, except for one. Christianity is not based on the work that man does, but rather on the work that God did. No religion also, secondly, except Christianity, and this is so powerful. No religion except Christianity has a book that correctly predicted 332 prophecies about its founder before he was ever born. Number three, no religion except Christianity has a founder that gave his life in a literal physical death, but then came back to a literal physical life and was seen over by over 500 people throughout a 40-day period. This leads me to say this, come to this conclusion. The founder of Christianity has credentials that no other religious leader has. In fact, he has credentials that only 
God could have. So do all roads lead to heaven? I, I would have to agree with this verse, Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. It's the name of Jesus. Now, what I want to do for the rest of our time together is very simply to consider Jesus. Just consider Jesus. I'm not asking you to consider this church. Not at all, because we're very imperfect. You, you know that. I'm not asking you to consider a Christian denomination. Denominations are a dime a dozen. I'm not even asking you to consider the religion of Christianity. Because I'm going to argue all day long that Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Jesus came to reveal the love of God to those who needed a Savior. And plus, our American version of Christianity is so distorted. So I'm not asking you to consider the religion of Christianity. And then I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not going to ask you to consider the behavior of those who were, would call themselves Christians because you can meet two different people that call themselves Christians and one of them is like, wow, that person is loving and genuine and full of the grace uh, of God and, and I want to be like them. And then you meet another one that calls himself a Christian and you say, that person is a first-class jerk. And then I'm not even asking you to consider me as your pastor. Because the reality is that I'm very flawed and I'm bound to disappoint you. All I'm asking you to do for our remaining time together this morning is just consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. And as we do so, let's consider three aspects of Jesus. Number one, let's consider the ministry of Jesus. Why did Jesus come? Well, Mark chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, summarize the ministry of Jesus and why he came. And it reads like this from the New Living Translation. But when some of the teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with people like that, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Now, other translations say with sinners. Verse 17, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call sinners, not those who think they're already good enough. So Jesus came for the scum. As, as I was studying that this week, I, I think he was referring to me on that. And maybe a few of you. It also says that he came for those who are sick. So the scum and the sick. And, and incidentally, they were the ones who were rejected by then, even by the religious leaders. The scum and the sick were rejected by the religious leaders. So those that religion rejected, Jesus loved and accepted. When a woman was caught in adultery and all of the religious people said, Stone her to death, Jesus looked at them and said, um, Whoever of you has never sinned, why don't you throw the first stone? And then he looked at this broken woman, and this is a key statement. He said, go your way and sin no more. You're forgiven. Jesus also opened blind, eye, blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He, he caused the mute to speak, and Jesus touched lepers. Jesus turned water to wine, which is still a bit of a problem for those of us that are teetotalers. 
Jesus multiplied the loaves and, and, and the fish to feed 5,000 men, which counting women and children probably ended up being 20,000 plus people. Jesus walked on water. Jesus raised the dead. And here's what's crazy. His critics didn't question the validity of his miracles. Those that were against Jesus, they saw their miracles. They knew that they were valid. These were not the work of some magician or illusionist. They were genuine miracles that no one questioned. Not even the skeptics. They just didn't like it that he was doing it. Consider the ministry of Jesus. Consider the modern-day ministry of Jesus. Some of you are a miracle of the ministry of Jesus. One of the dads in this church used to be a drug dealer. It's a miracle beyond miracles that God could take someone who was so lost and completely transform him. I know of a guy that had multiple affairs on his wife, and not only did his wife forgive him, which is a miracle, but Jesus forgave him and transformed him. I know of some people in this church. They were involved in a gay lifestyle. And they've come out of the closet, but this time it's for Jesus. And they've left their sin. And God has forgiven them and transformed them. I know some of you here, you were addicted to substances and pornography and lust. Yet Jesus has set you free. Consider the ministry of Jesus. The one who didn't come for the righteous. But came for the scum and the sick. But I also want to ask you to consider the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Now it's crucial that you understand that Jesus was born of a virgin. And because of that Jesus did not inherit the sin nature of an earthly father. And why is that so important? It's so important because he could then go to the cross to become sin for us. If he would have been born with a sin nature, he couldn't have really taken on our sin. But he was born of a virgin, did not inherit the sin nature of an earthly father. So therefore, he could take on our sin. Don't miss the power of that today. And there when creation was mocking the creator, when mankind had beaten him to where he was unrecognizable, when they had hung him on an instrument of torture called the cross and had driven stakes through his wrists and through his heels, Jesus looked up to God and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And then he said, it's finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And the earth went dark and, and it trembled. And then in an amazing moment that the centurion who had carried the cross of Jesus and was not a believer looked on and said, surely that man was the son of God. And he was. And he is. Still is. But then three days later, the stone was rolled away. The tomb became empty. Jesus rose from the dead. And he began to appear to different people. And Peter said it this way in Acts 3.15. You killed the author of life. But God raised him to life. And then don't miss this. And we are witnesses of this fact. This is so important. There were eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus lived. And he died. And he lived again. 
Man, I wish somebody would get excited here this morning. (laughs) And what's so interesting to me is that Thomas happened to miss church. The time that Jesus showed up after his resurrection, and so he doubted. Remember doubting Thomas? Isn't that what happens? You miss church, you have a good service. You hear about it, and you think, man, shouldn't have gone to Branson last weekend. But doubting Thomas missed church, but Jesus was so merciful, and he showed up to him. And, and you know, when Thomas's attitude had been, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it, and and Jesus said, Thomas, look at the nail prints in me. And when Thomas touched the wounds of the resurrected Christ, remember what doubting Thomas said? Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And you know, when you get a glimpse of who Jesus really is, that's our only reasonable response. My Lord and my God. And this, this is so cool. Just a little bit of history of, about Thomas. After he had that encounter with Jesus, Thomas, doubting Thomas, became a great evangelist that went to India, what is today known as India. And, and in India, when he asked to renounce his faith in his Savior, he said, I will never renounce my Savior. And you know what they did to the one we call doubting Thomas? They drove a spear through his body. Why would he die for his faith when he once doubted because he had seen the risen Christ I'm just asking you to consider Jesus one more thing consider the good news of Jesus I love the way Paul summarizes it in Romans chapter 3 verse 22 he says we're made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins and this is so important and we can all be saved in this same way no matter who we are or what we have done and because of phrases like that josh that allows you to come to know christ you give testimony given testimony of the rascal that you once were but it says here no matter what we have done what's the good news No matter what you've done, no matter how dark your life is, no matter if you're as bad as I was or if you're worse than I was, no matter how messed up your life is right now, anyone, 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 anyone who places their faith and trust and life in Jesus will be made new. That's the good news. You you see, the real problem in this world might surprise you. It's not the Democrats. For you Republicans, it's not Donald Trump or whomever, Cruz or whatever. The real problem in this world is religion. Did you know that? The real problem in this world is religion because religion is about me. It's how I perform. Am I good enough? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about Jesus. You see, it's Christ plus nothing. It's not Christ plus religion. It's not Christ plus good works. It's not Christ plus baptism. It's not Christ plus church membership. It's not Christ plus giving money. It's not Christ plus getting rid of your bad stuff. And and these are part of the things that will happen, but it's Christ plus nothing. In Christ alone, 
we have the hope of eternal life. As we come in for our landing, uh, of course, you know that when I say that, when I say it in conclusion, it means absolutely nothing. But anyway, we're supposed to say this. But as we come in for our landing, consider these five events of Jesus. His virgin birth, his sacrificial death on the cross, burial in the tomb, resurrection and ascension into heaven. Since the beginning of history, of human history, there is not a single person on earth besides the Lord Jesus Christ that has ever experienced these events and had them confirmed by witnesses and then recorded in a single document called the Bible. When you study and examine the history of the founders of other major religions, you will find that every one of them died and their bodies rotted and turned to dust. Islam did claim that Muhammad ascended to heaven from the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem, but didn't have any eyewitnesses. So we've got to consider that as a myth. But Jesus was born of a virgin. He died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. He resurrected from the dead and then ascended into heaven, confirmed by witnesses. So let me just ask you a question. Who are you going to put your faith in? You have the freedom to choose. Who are you going to trust? Really focus here as we just try to wrap things up here. If you want to be a Buddhist, you can be a Buddhist. You, you, can, you, know, you can try to reach that state of nirvana and become one with the universe. If you want to be a Hindu and believe in 40 million gods and, and hope that through uh, 600,000 rebirths and reincarnations that you can finally go into that cosmic unconsciousness and, and you know if you want to do that you can but I tell you this I'm going to keep on stepping on spiders and bugs in my house and I hope one's not your grandma <laughs> I don't want to keep eating my steak I, I know it's red meat but you got to die of something and as I grill my steak to medium well over the sizzling charcoal I just hope it's not your grandpa If you want to be a Muslim and follow a leader that's still dead and take a chance that you're at least 51% good, help yourself. And I hope you get those 72 virgins in paradise. If, if you want to believe in animism and make sacrifices to Mother Earth as we did in Bolivia, as the people in Bolivia, man, go for it. And what they would do, they would dump that last bit of coke on the ground, you know, as a sacrifice to Mother Earth. If you want to be an atheist, an agnostic, or a nothing, hey, you can take that risk. Eternity is only forever, so what's a little risk? But I want to be abundantly clear this morning, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And my decision is not rooted in tradition. It's not rooted in ignorance. It's not rooted in the Christian heritage of my parents. It's not rooted in the heritage of our country as a Christian nation. It's, it's not rooted in the religion of Christianity itself. It's, it's not rooted in the life of some of my Christian heroes. It's not rooted in the doctrine of our church. But it's rooted in Jesus Christ. So do all roads lead to heaven? Not from what I can tell. The only road to heaven comes through Jesus Christ. To all who received him, to all, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God.
So this morning, I just have to ask you, what is your choice? You have the right to choose. God doesn't demand that you follow him. He says, here's my plan. Here's the gift. I give it to you. But we have to unwrap the gift of salvation. I know I'm speaking to the choir. If you come to church at 830, you're probably a a believer in Jesus Christ. But maybe there's someone here that kind of follows this mode that everybody goes to heaven, you know, as long as I live in America and I'm kind of good and all that, then, you know, I'll be okay. As long as I'm sincere, I'll be okay. But today I want to just tell you that's not enough. We need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where he comes into our lives, cleanses us from our sin, and we follow him with all of our heart. Maybe there's somebody that hasn't done that this morning. And if you haven't, there's no better time than today. Would you please stand? Father, I want to just thank you for your word. Thank you that this is not some blind faith that has no evidence. Yes, there are aspects of our of our walk with you that require faith. And uh, we, we can't see it, but Lord, thank you that... Thank you that our, our, our faith is, is, is grounded in, in so much more. And Lord, there are proofs and prophecies, fulfilled prophecies. Lord, I pray for that person this morning that maybe hasn't placed their trust in you. They've been re- relying on the fact of maybe good works and relying on the fact that they're an American and they do good deeds and they think that you know I'll, I'll be like everybody else that the preacher says about here in, in this area that well, they're in a better place but Father I pray that we would begin to evaluate our, is our heart right with you God give us honesty right now pray this in your name just heads bowed eyes closed is there anybody that would say God spoke to me today And would you just pray for me pastor I want to make sure I'm ready there anybody just lift a hand thank you i see your hand anyone else pray for me pastor god has really spoken to me today is there anyone that you want to just come forward and you want to pray and you want to make sure that you have a walk with god an up-to-date relationship with jesus christ anyone father we thank you for your presence lord we thank you for thank you for jesus Lord, our hope is in no other. It's not in a church. It's not in our heritage. It's not in even being good. Lord, it's by by grace, through faith, in Jesus. I pray, God, that you would help us to make sure that we choose Jesus. Lord, help us to put everything else to one side all of the stuff that confuses us. Lord, that we would just look at Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Go with these people. Lord, go with us as we go to Sunday school. Be with our teachers as they continue and teach your word. I pray that you would just enable them, anoint them. And and God, would you also prepare the hearts of those that will be coming at 1045 for another service. And Lord, that it would just be a tremendous time as we study your word and as we sing and just praise you through music. 
We ask these favors in the strong, the powerful, the wonderful, the majestic name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.